welcome back to The Current. I'm your host, Nadia Last. And from wherever you're listening today, I just want to send you all of my love and just acknowledge that we just moved through the winter solstice, uh, the shortest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, and a lot of collective anxiety going on around us. There's a lot of energy that's moving, and I would be remiss not to just send you a moment of peace, a moment of stillness, a moment to bring your energy back from all of the different scattered places that it's going right now, especially as we traverse the holiday season. Just a deep collective breath that we can take together to bring you back into your body and to bring you back into your center. So wherever you are, if it feels safe to do so, just close your eyes. Take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. Let's do one more. In through your nose and out through your mouth. From this place of collectiveness and hopefully energetic collectedness, I'm really, really pleased to introduce this episode today. Today we are diving into the energetic archetype of being a manifester in human design. And manifestors have a very powerful and in my view misunderstood aura and means of moving and interacting with the world. Chances are, you likely know a manifester. They are one in 10, uh, about eight, 9% of the population. And it's so important that we learn how to empower manifestors because they're the ones that are most connected to divine inspiration. They're the ones that are struck with ideas and visions and inspiration, and they have everything within themselves to be completely self-contained in getting that thing started. And so learning how to honor and really build up our manifestors is such an important role that we can all have as allies to manifestors in this lifetime. And if you're a manifestor listening, my sincere hope for this episode is that it empowers you. It helps you stand in your power. It helps you understand the impact that you have on people, projects, ideas, opportunities. Like you are here to be the ignition in our collective vehicle. And we are so happy that you chose your unique energetic aura in this lifetime. This is also a very special episode because we welcome on a manifester that Sam Fotenhauer and I are very close with in our life. Her name is Carolyn, and Carolyn is the one that introduced Sam and I a little over a year ago. Sam and I were both talking Carolyn's ear off about human design individually, and Carolyn basically created the connection. And so in a very meta way, Carolyn, this very powerful emotional manifester, is the one who basically manifested our ability to collaborate and co-create. Like she really was the ignition in the car. And so much of what I've created over the past year has been spurred and encouraged by my relationship with Sam. And so just the byproduct of Carolyn creating and initiating the connection between us two spawned all of the things that you're listening to right now, which is so cool. So we're so lucky to have Carolyn in our lives. And we're also lucky that she agreed to be on this podcast and to share her personal experience, which I think is really rare and doesn't exist in many other places. 
So to hear firsthand what it feels like to have these manifestor urges and inspiration is such a gift. So without further ado, I welcome you into this manifestor deep dive. Welcome back to our human design deep dive series. I am sitting here with Nadia Lass. This is Sam Fotenhauer. And this episode is all about the manifester. We are so excited to talk about manifestors, sparkly, powerful leader manifestors. And we have a special guest on our episode. We have me and Nadia's very, very dear friend, Carolyn Strawn. Carolyn is a brilliant beautiful, drop-dead, gorgeous manifester that lives in Brooklyn, New York with her partner, Pearson, and their cat. Carolyn and I went to University of North Carolina together. She grew up near Seattle, Washington, went to school in North Carolina. That's how we met her. Uh, That's how I met her. She then uh, worked in consulting for many years in the Bay Area, which is where she met Nadia. And then she went to Stanford Business School. She's super, just so good gifted and now works at a healthcare startup. Carolyn and I, I'll just share a little bit of how I met her. Um, Carolyn and I met in line during sorority rush. <laughs> I remember it wasn't even, I think for the sorority that we both ended up rushing. We were in the same pledge class and we were, I think the only two from West of the Mississippi I'm from Arizona. So we really connected and resonated with that. Um, we, I just remember meeting her cause my last name starts with a P and her last name starts with an S. And so we were lined up next to each other and I just really liked her. Like I immediately noticed her. I think we immediately started talking. We were so excited because North Carolina's university of North Carolina is all North Carolina people. So we were so excited to meet somebody from the Western part of the United States and just immediately hit it off. And then our dorms were close to each other. And now we've been friends for 11 years. We um, both lived in New York city around the same time before I moved up to Vermont and got to spend a lot of time together and kind of reconnected and strengthened our relationship. And that is how I got connected with Nadia. Nadia, how did you meet Carolyn? Oh, I'm just so excited to share this story. So Carolyn is one of the humans in my life that got brought into my orbit in such a synchronistic and magical way, even before I sort of believed in synchronicities and the universe working its magic. I felt like there was something very auspicious about the way that I met Carolyn. I had moved to San Francisco back in 2014 when it was really difficult to get housing. And I was living on an air mattress at the time for a month long lease. And so I was looking for housing and I was applying to all these different apartments and I had applied to probably 50 to hundred different places. And I finally heard back from a girl named Carolyn, a woman named Carolyn. And she was like, Hey, like, you know, I have 40 other applicants for this extra spot in my house, but do you want to meet up? And we met up at a wine bar and similar to you, Sam, I felt initially so drawn to Carolyn. We hit it off. It was so much fun. I think Carolyn, you may have offered me the room on the spot or at least a couple of days later. And it, it's just so wild because I, I basically met Carolyn through Craigslist and I remember living with her for a year. But after that, I just always felt deep in my bones that Carolyn would be in my life forever. She's just somebody who was like, I just want to stay connected to her. I want to stay close to what she's doing before I had the language of human design to know that 
She's meant to have this very colorful, vibrant existence as a manifester. I just knew that she would do exciting and cool things. And every time I talked to her, I learned something new. And fun fact, before I started leading group work, my very first circle that I ever led was with Carolyn. We actually, back in the day, started a women professional circle where we'd meet once a month and plan out our circles. And it's just so funny that now I do this for my job. So this is a very lengthy introduction, Carolyn, but we are just so honored that you're here. The fact that you connected Sam and I, and now we're doing this and bringing you here, it just feels very synchronistic. Wow. What an introduction. I love (laughs) you both so deeply. It's so just meaningful that I've known you both for so long and that all three of us are here. Um, and I'm so excited to be here. I just have been, I guess, deep in human design and learned about being a manifester about a year ago. And have been waiting for this moment to talk about it ever since then. So I am so incredibly excited. The manifestor type is one that is pretty misunderstood. And so Sam and I are buzzing with excitement to kind of deconstruct some of the myths that are out there about manifestor energy. And we knew that it was so important to have Carolyn here with us throughout this conversation, because Carolyn, only you can describe what it feels like to have this energy. So the way we're going to structure this today is we have different sort of sections of describing the manifestor energy, but Carolyn's going to describe her own experiences throughout. And Sam, do you want to kick us off about what is a manifestor? I would love to. So first off, let's just say manifestor is about 8% of the population. So they're pretty rare. Um, you almost certainly know one, have one in your life, maybe are one um, or related to one. If you don't know your type, I invite you to pause this and go ahead and Google human design, find one of the free charts. We like Jovian and, um, and find out your type, but manifestors are the initiators. They are here to get the ball rolling. They provide a powerful, impactful energy. They're the natural energetic lead They're natural leaders and they get things going. I can't tell you how amazing it is to work with manifestors um, in my business, in my personal life, because they start, they're like the flame to the, um, not even forgetting the word, but used earlier, the big fires. Oh my gosh. They're the, they're the match that lights the flame. Yes. They're the ones that gets the fire started. The bonfire. They're like the initial start. So, um, so how does manifestor energy work? So manifestors, their energy almost works. I kind of think of it as a wave because remember they are non-sacral beings. They don't have a powerful motor called the sacral, like all generators and manifesting generators have, which means they kind of get, they're part of a group with the projectors and reflectors who do not have a consistent source of energy that will last them all day, every day. Um, This means that they'll have these kind of urges within them it's spontaneous. And I kind of think of it almost like a wave, like it comes in fast and it comes in intense. And I can't wait to hear Carolyn's own words for it. And then they, if they choose to looking to their authority, which is how we make decisions in human design, act on those urges and put actions in the plan. When we use the word manifester. We're not using it in the same context as like, I want to manifest my dream life. Um, the words are similar, but a manifester in like in human design brings kind of the inner world into creation, into reality. They have a vision within their mind, a thought, an idea, a creative impulse, and then they have the power to birth it into real life, but they're not necessarily the ones to execute it. We're going to get more on that later. Um, 
I'm just going to name a few things that we're going to talk about to kind of lay the framework out for us. So um, manifestors, aura, the traditional language on manifestor aura is closed and repelling, and that can be disempowering. Go ahead, Nadia. Well, I was going to say, Sam, can you describe what an aura is? Yes. Okay. So actually, Nadia, why don't you describe what an aura is? I'd love to hear your language for it. Oh, thank you. Okay. Projector invitation accepted. An aura is basically (laughs) human design. (laughs) Each of our energy types basically tells us how energy extends beyond our physical body into the world. So every single energy type has a different way that the energy extends beyond us and basically interacts with other people and situations. And the manifestor aura, how it basically extends from their body is closed. Basically, it's it's somewhat opaque. People can't see within it as easily. And I think that it's because a manifestor needs to be protected energetically so that they can go out and impact and that they're not super open to other people because it allows them to be completely self-contained, to have a vision, to be connected to divine inspiration and creative energy and just go do it. And so it's kind of like they have a protective outer layer that, that shields them from themselves and their initiations and the rest of the world. But what that means is that sometimes in traditional human design language, they describe this energy as repelling. And that word, I mean, just saying it out loud, it's like such a disempowering word. And so we kind of want to shift the languaging around that to be more so about being, um, about being impactful and selective. Do you want to describe what that means, Sam? Yeah. Um, so we'll get into this a little bit more in detail in a moment, but you know, like I think Nadia's language for it is, is so powerful. There's, there's this thing that come when you, a manifestor walks in where everybody's looking to them, like they really are the creators and the leaders and the visionaries and everyone's looking to them, whether or not the manifestor knows I often in readings from manifestors are like, Oh really? And I'm like, how do you not know this about yourself? Like I, this is so obvious to me, particularly when I, when I know the manifestor personally and, um, and so that aura, yes, it's impactful, but the manifestor aura also has this kind of natural mechanism with it that is selective. The right people who are meant to be initiated by you, the right people who are going to accept your initiation. Because now remember, if you've listened to our past episodes, you know that generators need something to respond to. And you know that projectors need invitations. And manifestors can provide that. They can provide something for me to respond to. They can provide something for Nadia to be invited to. And so the right people who are meant to respond to accept those invitations who are want to follow your vision will come and they, they will be attracted to your powerful energy and the people who aren't, um, won't. And, and so it's that alone can be kind of difficult. And we'll talk about those core wounds that this, this can bring up, but there is kind of a natural, um, a manifestor is not designed to be for everybody because they are here to make an impact. And if you're here to make an impact, then you can't be worried and concerned about what everybody's going to think of you. The strategy for a manifestor to be able to live in alignment is inform. We'll go into this. Um, how you know if a manifestor is 
experiencing kind of alignment. We call this your signature. It's kind of the sign that you're in the right place. You're in flow and that is peace. Manifestors just want to have peace to be able to create their own creations, to be left alone, to create in the world. And they're not self often when they get controlled and their independence isn't and their sovereignty is an honor. They experience anger. So we wanted to lay out those kind of keywords for you. We will be kind of touching back to them throughout. Um, but before we get into that, we want, I got to ask Carolyn a question. How do you experience urges? When we're talking about managers have these urges up and down. Can you tell us about what that feels like for you? Yes, absolutely. I have a couple of other thoughts before we get to urges yes. just based on that intro. So one, I just so appreciate that both of you are changing the language that's out there around manifestors and also that's around all types or profiles or whatever it is. I think some of the language out there in human design can be a little bit negative or not super positive. And I think both of you are thinking about that so thoughtfully. And I love that even my profile is a two, four. So the two originally was called the hermit. And I'm like, huh, is that, is that really what I resonate with? Not in particular. Um, but I appreciate that from both of you. So I wanted to say that I think also one of my favorite quotes is go fast to go alone, uh, but go far to go together or go together to go far. And I feel like the manifestor kind of urges just to go fast and go alone and just like do it. But if you really want to influence, you have to inform and like you have to bring people together. And so I think that that I love that quote. And I think it honestly speaks to my manifesto experience in terms of urges. So I was doing as I was reflecting for this, I was like, what is an urge? Like, what is an urge? I think that they're so natural to manifestors that it's hard to even understand, um, that you're having one. I think they're at least in my own personal experience. And this is all from my own lived experience. Um, there are kind of just like day-to-day urges I have, like when I wake up in the morning, I'm just like, okay, I gotta go. I gotta do X, Y, Z. I gotta do this. Like I'm just up and I'm out. I don't really sit in bed and like noodle around or sit on my phone or whatever it is. Um, so I think there's kind of like those personal urges around just like needing to get stuff done. And I have a lot of those. I think there are also these more like creative urges, which is how I've heard it described and and how it can be described, which is more around that like initiation and creation. Um, For those types of urges, I work a lot. I work in, I work at a startup. I work in corporate strategy, which actually I think really aligns well with my energy type, which is amazing. I, um, the urges I might have in like a work um, instance is more around kind of what do I think we should do next as an organization? What are the key questions that we should be answering and like following those urges? And in order to have those, I need to create space. So it, it all kind of like comes together. And in order to create space for urges, um, it really is just like having downtime. It's like not overextending myself um, not exhausting myself and burning out, which I totally can do. And so making sure that I'm just like kind of consistently taking a step back and chilling out and thinking about how to work harder, excuse me, how to work smarter, (laughs) not harder. That makes so much sense. And Carolyn, do you, do you resonate with kind of the archetype of manifestor energy burning really bright and hot when it's on? And then when it's off, it needs to be like fully off. Does that feel right for you? It does. Yeah. And I think 
honestly, I have, that's one of the biggest things that I've learned from human design. So I think I just, I didn't even realize that I needed to kind of turn off, um, and, and relax. Um, so I think, yes, that, that resonates a lot is I'm, I'm either kind of like full on or just so tired. I can't talk to anyone and I'm really angry. That's a great, you know, I love how you said that because rest is really what allows you to be a manifester. And mm-hmm. I think for all of the non-sacral beings, so the you projectors, manifestors, and reflectors out there, when you try to keep up with generators in that, in the amount of output and work up, not, I don't, keeping up isn't the best word because there is like so many ways that everybody adds value, but when you try to kind of maintain a consistent level of output and of work and of creation, you literally dim your own ability. You dim your own ability to initiate into impact and you undercut your own gifts. I totally agree. I think when I also first found out about human design, I was jealous of that sacral energy. I was like, Oh my gosh, why can't I just consistently be, you know, um, performing and just like running after something. Cause I think society often conditions us to be that way. Um, and so I think that's something I've struggled with and have had to just like understand about myself and, and accept about myself. And I resonate with that a hundred percent as a projector, as a fellow non-sacral being and learning how to trust the rest that on the other side of the rest, you'll actually recharge your batteries. Like they will come back. So Sam, I'm wondering if we could quickly define, technically speaking, in a human design chart, what makes somebody a manifester? Yes. So um, for those who are familiar with centers um, or who want to become familiar with centers, what makes somebody a manifester is a channel that connects the throat to a non-sacral motor center. So if you have a channel connecting your solar plexus, your emotional channel up into your throat, this looks like 3536, um, 12-22, or for instance, if you had your heart connected up to your throat through 2145, or maybe it was connected to your spleen and then connects up to your throat, then you are a manifester unless you have a defined sacral. If you have a defined sacral too, that would make you a manifesting generator because manifesting generators have that kind of manifestor quality, but they also have a defined sacral. And for those who are like, whatever she just said is gibberish to me, basically what you need to know is that if you have a defined throat in human design, that means a consistent way of communicating and expressing yourself in the world. And if that is connected to any motor that is a non-sacral motor, it just means that as a manifester, the way your energy works is that you can speak things into being, you can move very quickly toward things and you have the energy to actually make them happen, which is what sets the manifestor type apart. It is the only type out of the five energy types in human design that does not need someone else. Manifestors are fully self-contained in their energy in that they receive inspiration and they have everything within themselves to go, go out and do it, which is so it can be intimidating for other people being around that energy because the rest of the types, they, as Sam was saying before, they either need an invitation as a projector, they need to reflect the community as a reflector, or they need to respond as a generator or manifesting generator. So let's talk about the aura of of the manifestor, which I know we talked about before as sort of being traditionally defined as closed and repelling, but that we're actually moving into more describing this energy as really impactful. Impactful, selective, you know, this 
it's a little bit, you know, it's, it can be a little bit controversial sometimes in the human design world to change language. And, um, and my invitation to any manifester and to anybody is use the language that you resonate with. Like you get to decide this system is here to help you embody more of your own uniqueness. So you get to decide how you want to do that. And, and that's, this is kind of, I guess, a general statement. We should probably make sure we say at some point is with this manifestor episode, with any episode, you get to decide what resonates to you. It should feel empowering for your own individuation. And if it doesn't leave it, you don't have to take it. Um, it doesn't have to be the part that carries with you. So, okay. Closed, repelling. What does the aura look like? You know, we already said a little bit about this, but it's kind of fuzzy and it's can be hard to see. It's hard to see into, and that can get confusing when a manifestor walks into the room, everybody's looking at them. Everyone wants to know what they're up to. Everyone wants to know what they're doing. They have a powerful impact. And um, and not everybody knows what to do with this. This can be intimidating for people, as Nadia has said. Um, Nadia, do you have anything you want to add to our conversation about auras that we haven't talked about so far? I just think that it's really important for manifestors to know that the way that their energy engages with people is that it's, it just, it starts things. And so even something as simple as I, as a manifestor, receive you know, this urge that I really want a, a delicious BLT sandwich. And I'm going to go out to the grocery store. Like the way that manifestor energy moves is it's like receive inspiration and go. And so it's really unnatural to basically let other people in on what that plan is. But even just sort of the simple act of leaving your house to go to the grocery store impacts people in your life. And what manifestors want more than anything is just to be able to go and do the thing. It's just important for manifestors to understand that they impact other people. Carolyn, do you have something to add here? I do have something to say. So I think, yes, like the, the word repelling, definitely when I first heard that I was sad about it. Um, I think even just thinking about having a selective aura feels like I don't have control, which can be hard for me generally as I am a person who likes to have control, which is something I'm always trying to work on. But I just want to say to manifestors out there that have faith, have faith in the process, have faith in the system and just who you are, because you will find the right people, um, who will come to you and it is just, it's all going to be okay. Oh, that I loved that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. So <laughs> I just needed to say that. So let's talk a little bit like the impact. Why is this so impactful or what can happen, um, for these manifestors that have had this impact. So manifestors, they have this urge and they want to have the peace and freedom to do this. Now, what can happen for manifestor children is they have this energetic lead. They may often be the lead of their family or just have a lot of like kind of seek a level of autonomy and independence that not everybody can understand. And what often happens for manifest your children and Carolyn, I'm so curious if you resonate with this is that they are told you're too much, you're too big, your energy is way too much. You need to calm down. Um, who do you think you are to think that you can just start this and make this all happen on your own? And they can be asked to really kind of deaden themselves inside, turn their volume way down. Or they can get, and this can lead to people pleasing tendencies of like, well, I'm too much. And all these people are having such a reaction to me. And I don't know 
why all I'm doing is I think I'm being like everybody else kind of that I said earlier like a lot of manifestors don't realize they have the impact I'm like how do you not know but also wow that could probably be really painful if you just think you're kind of going about your day and you don't realize other people are being impacted by you and all of a sudden they are responding like they're being impacted by you and sometimes responding in hurtful or controlling ways wanting to make you feel bad being intimidated by your kind of natural power and so manifest Manifestors, a core wound of manifestors is either to really quiet their voice and or to be a people pleaser because part of that kind of selective or that um, initiation is if that's bad, then I want to make sure everybody else is on board with this. And before I have an example, I want to share before I get to it, Carolyn, how does that land with you? It resonates so much, both just the core wounds around not speaking up or having trouble speaking up. And then also just this fear of rejection. I think, I mean, I have so many thoughts. So my dad is a manifester, which just was so interesting as a child. And it continues to be interesting for us. Um, love my parents, love my dad. They're just the best humans. Um, and so I don't want it to sound like I'm pointing fingers or anything like that. I think I have definitely, I, I think just like the dynamic with my dad and happy to talk about this later too, is just around informing, um, because informing tends to be, you don't want to ask for permission. And so when you have two manifestors who aren't asking for permission and they're just wanting to do something, it, it causes a lot of tension. So there's that. I think I have some wounds from that. I think I also have wounds from just like rejection in middle school and high school, um, in dealing with a lot of social rejection. And that really has led to me struggling throughout my whole life with just wanting to be accepted. And that comes up with speaking up. So I think sometimes I have trouble speaking up because for example, in high school, people would tell me I'm super blunt. I'm very direct. And that would make me kind of shut down because I didn't want to have that impact. I felt bad that I was having that impact. And so I think I definitely am still just trying to unlearn that in, in trying to break out of those habits. Because I think that what you're talking about, Carolyn, what a manifester wants at their core is peace. Yes. And so there's this like inherent push pull and this tension between wanting peace, but impacting everybody in your life. And I love that you just said that you were called blunt or direct because that same quality is one of your greatest strengths as well. Whenever I'm working with a manifester, I'm like, buckle up, giddy up, because they're going to say one sentence that I think about for weeks and months to come. And so there's so much power in slicing straight to the core of something and saying like, this is the impact. I always joke that if I were to partner with a manifester in business, like I would do therapy with someone for a year and the manifester would just come in for one session at the very end and be like, this is the issue, like goodbye, basically mic drop and leave. Um, But it's, it's just so interesting that you're sort of like rewiring this impact that you had and that you maybe stood out from a young age because energetically you were impactful. I'm curious if I could ask about how that experience was as a woman um, and as a young girl. And, And I feel like the way that our society is conditioned for those identifying as female is usually just trying to be part of a group at the expense of sort of suppressing your voice. Did you feel like that added into um, your experience as a manifester? Absolutely. Yes. I think it it manifested in a couple of ways. So first was, um, feeling angry. So I definitely was 
angry as I was going through that. I, my brother in particular bore a lot of that anger, which we have worked through or are still working through. I think also the other piece, oh, what was the other piece I was thinking of? Um, I'll come back to it, but yes, I think, especially as a woman, I think it is really hard and just feeling so much pressure to conform as, um, you know, just into society, I think can be particularly difficult as well. One of the things I want to touch on is like why it's so important to go ahead and just own that initiation. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a number of reasons. I'm going to start with one example, but I would love Nadia and Carolyn to add on. Obviously, the main reason it's like, it's who you're meant to be and it's who your gift is here in the world. And we all need it and we want it. But what another reason is it can get hard for everybody when a manifestor pretends that they aren't going to make the impact or the initiation. So here's an example. Um, you have a train conductor, the train conductor is going from London to Paris and the train conductor said, okay, I'm going from London to Paris. Whoever wants to go to Paris, hop on the train. Great. Anybody who's attracted to that, to that trip can go. If the conductor, the manifester in this case, instead says, I'm going to ask everybody on board what they want to do. And I'm going to see, do they want to go to Paris? They want to go to Spain. No one would ever be able to make a decision. You get the same sort of thing with a manifester who has an idea of what they want to do, for instance, for dinner that night and is maybe asking everyone in their family or friend group, like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And it's like, you know what you want to do. And when you just kind of own it and, and clear it, then Anybody who wants to join you has the opportunity to other people can clear the path to allow you to go and you don't get into this. Well, now I'm being forced to do something I don't want to do. Now I'm in, now I'm angry. I love that example. Just really quickly. I wanted to jump in the other thing about my childhood that I wanted to talk about was my struggle with an eating disorder. So I think that that inherently kind of since middle school, and up through my mid twenties, I struggled with an eating disorder and disordered eating. And that was almost me trying to just not take up space, right. Just trying to shrink into a certain image and body type and body shape and not feeling like I could just take up space. And I think that that is very much related to also being a manifester and feeling shut down and it all is coming full circle. Holy shit. My mind is blown. Because one of the core wounds as a manifester is I am too much. I need to take up less space. And by shrinking, hopefully that's what will create peace, peace and interactions with others. And Carolyn, that is such a profound example of understanding, like there's so little that you can control as a manifester because you're impacting people either way. So the fact that that sort of like need for control then was kind of uh, subverted into controlling eating and controlling body size, I'm just like blown away. And thank you so much for bringing that in. Let's talk about the strategy of informing, because this is really, really important. So basically as a manifester, if you have the inspiration to go out and do all the things that you want to do, the very last thing on your list is letting everybody know where you're going. Because as a manifester, it usually what happens is they're like, okay, I have this urge to do something. I'm actually just going to go and do it before anybody can try and stop me. And so it can be a big reckoning when manifestors understand for the first time, holy shit, in order to actually attain the greatest level of peace in my life, I have to do the last thing that I want to do right now, which is tell everybody what I'm up to, where I'm going, what I've created, how I'm feeling. And I'm curious, Carolyn, if, if you've 
felt any resistance about informing the people in your life and, and how you've experimented with that since finding out that you're a manifester? Yeah, absolutely. I have so many thoughts. Um, what, and I think it comes back to the example that Sam just talked through about kind of the train conductor. And honestly, Sam, that example resonated so much. It was like, oh my gosh, I've been there, like having an idea and then wanting to please people and trying to have all these inputs. And then I'm just like, what am I even doing? So I think it's hard is totally as hard in terms of informing. It's so important because as a human going through life, like it's, or at least this is what I believe it's lonely and it's hard if you're just kind of doing alone. Right. So going back to that quote, also just like go fast to go alone. Like, I think that's what my urges are is I just want to go do something and just like not worry about it. But in order to like have relationships, you have to inform and you have to bring people along. And I'm very much figuring out the right balance of that. So one example of when I didn't think when I don't think I informed as well as I could have, I was in business school and I was deciding what I wanted to do for my summer internship. I was in a relatively new relationship and I just went ahead and was like, I'm going to go. I, I made the decision without bringing anyone along without any informing. My informing was like, Hey, I'm going to be in Seattle for the summer. I was in the Bay area. I'm going to be in Seattle for the summer. And this is what I'm doing. And my partner who is luckily still my partner was like, Whoa, (laughs) you didn't bring me along at all. You didn't ask for any advice, like was quite upset, which I totally understand. And so it's hard. Like it's hard. Cause I like looking back, I don't think I knew I was a manifester at that point, but that's kind of what I was doing. I was making a decision and just informing, but it's hard. It, It does. Um, there are different ways to inform. I think this is the conclusion I've come to. Like you can inform on just kind of like feelings. You can inform on where you're leaning towards. Like I could have been like, Hey, this is really exciting to me. I'm, I'm leaning towards this. Um, what do you think? Which, you know, sometimes we're not supposed to ask, but I think, you know, if, if sometimes it's, it's necessary if you want to, um, bring someone else along. I think this gets to a really important aspect of being a manifester. Um, our understanding of manifestor energy is basically that a manifestor should come to the idea and the conclusion and the decision that they're going to make. And ultimately a man, it's not correct for a manifestor to bring people into the decision-making process because they're so self-contained in the visions and the urges that they have. And so basically every manifestor should go inward and access their own inner authority of which everybody has their own. And make the decision within themselves. And then once that decision is made, informing looks like letting people in their life know the decision. And then basically being the train conductor and saying, I'm going to Seattle for the summer, I'm taking this internship. But I love that you're bringing in the nuance of this, Carolyn, in that as you're making that decision, you're not necessarily bringing them into impact that decision. It's basically like, this is where I'm feeling that I, I want to go. And that actually brings in the nuance of Carolyn's chart in that she is a manifester, but she has what's called emotional decision-making. And we're going to have subsequent episodes that actually go in very, very detail and depth in each of the inner authorities. But what this means at a high level is that Carolyn makes emotional decisions. It is not correct for her to make a decision in an instance because she basically has to wait out her emotional wave to, to figure out 
how, uh, what she is actually in the mood to do. And because her moods shift day to day, what she's in the mood to do might swing very wildly before she nets out at sort of this neutral conclusion of where she's, she's going. So I think in this example, Carolyn, you're just talking about like you were riding your wave with this decision and there's a way to bring people into the wave riding, so to speak, and then ultimately bringing them along. And I also think you touched on an important point that it's like informing, informing also helps you, like it helps you avoid resistance. It's not something that you do just because the other person want to know, which they do that, like they do want to know, but it's also because it helps you clear the path. It helps you cut through. Cause they're all looking for at you anyway, trying to figure out, especially your partner, like, am I going to see her? And, and they get to, and when you inform you, you give that opportunity, but you also like, there also creates an opportunity for other things to fall in line for, you know, perhaps not with that example, but, um, maybe with an example of, I want to launch, I'm informing people I'm launching a podcast. And maybe with that, somebody in your life tells you, well, I have all this amazing high-end equipment. Do you want to use it? You can have it. Um, these kind of things where people that you couldn't expect step in to help clear the path, but not ever to, um, reject you, to derail you, to stop you. Um, although the reason that that fear is there is because that's happened. So I don't want to minimize that that can't happen. It's just that, um, not informing creates more issues. And I think I also want to say that the people that, as you're informing different people in your life, the people who clear the path for you, who are really like, oh my God, that's amazing. Go for it. Those That's sort of like cluing you into the people that are meant to be in your life. And the people that are, you know, like you tell them that you're going to go out to the grocery store and they're like, wait, 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 you didn't tell And they're trying to get in your way. Like that's giving you information and data and basically showing you where you're supposed to, you know, pull back in relationships and where you're supposed to invest in relationships. So I want to list out a few of the different pieces of resistance that manifestors bump up against when they first find out that they're here to inform everybody of everything in their life. So Sam, do you want to talk about a few of those? Sure. So, you know, one of the ones we haven't talked about was, well, people care, you know, like beyond whether someone's going to stop you. Well, does anybody care about this? Especially a manifestor who hasn't felt comfortable using their voice. And there can be this feeling of like, well, no one even notices or not that many people notice or care anyway. Um, and that's just absolutely not the case. There are 100% people that care about you and are interested. Plus, there are people out there who might be really interested in that idea. One person that comes to mind is a friend of Nadia's and I's and a mentor or coach of mine, Danny Dillard. She's a powerful, powerful manifester. Um, Nectar Creative is her Instagram and her company. And she put some pretty radical, I mean, some people find them radical ideas on Instagram or nude photos or different things. Um, I am so grateful that she shares her art because it has been deeply impactful for me. Her showing up in that way, if she said, well, who, who even cares about this? this? You know, there are some things you may choose and want to keep private. And that of course is okay. But I'm so glad that she put her art into the world because one, it allowed me to find her. Two, it allowed her, us to work together and her to be a part of initiating some of the biggest changes in my life. Um, and, and it gives the opportunity to be seen. Absolutely. Another piece of resistance that manifestors feel is, will people try to stop me and will my plans get derailed? And I think we've talked about like the people that clear the path are meant for you. 
it's so important that informing is not asking for permission ever, ever, ever. Informing is not, do you think that I should do this? Do you want to do that? Informing is this is happening. The train's leaving the station. We're going to Spain, either get on the train or off the train. So I think that that's really important. And then the last piece of resistance is, will I be rejected? And I think Carolyn, you talked about this, about like social rejection. It's, it's such a core human desire to, for belonging. Like we all want to be able to belong. And I think that it's an important piece of manifestor energy. Like how do you learn to withstand the inevitable rejection when you're on the train and you're trying to find the right passengers for that train? And being able to withstand the people who are like, oh, I don't want to go on that train. I want to go somewhere else. So I'm curious if you can talk about your experience with that a little bit, Carolyn, or, or kind of the journey. Absolutely. I definitely think that last bucket resonates with me a lot in terms of worrying about rejection and what people think of me, which is so silly. And then I think there's another, um, there's another piece too, which is interesting um, so I have an open head and an open Anja, which Sam, I know you do as well. I am worried that people won't think I'm smart, which is just so interesting, um, but makes a lot of sense with my chart and I'm unpacking with my therapist where that is coming from. Um, but I think those are like, when I think about speaking up, let's say at work, I'm, I'm less worried about maybe like the social rejection and more worried about, is this a good idea? <laughs> Is this what we should be doing? Um, and then I think, I think oftentimes maybe more in the social setting, it's, it's worrying about, um, are people going to like this? Are people going to have fun? Are people going to want to do it? That, that sort of stuff. And I think, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but peripherally as your friend, what I've watched you really step into is honestly your activation of your power over these last few years. And I feel like you've really brought a lot of people into your orbit, especially going to business school where mm -hmm. I, I feel like I started to see you even in the way that you started dressing. It was like, here I am world. I'm going to take up space. Like this is who I am. And I feel like I've watched as your crew has sort of assembled and we're not in the same city anymore. Carolyn's across the country in New York. But what I see in photos and updates that you share, it's like you found your people and they don't need to be your people for forever. But do you feel as though the more space you take up, the, the more opportunity it gives you to connect with the people that are meant for you? I think so. I think it's, it's being, feeling more confident that I can take up space and, and feeling more confident in those relationships. Honestly, my relationships with you two have also helped me feel more confident because I've known you for years and we're still friends, which is amazing. And it's just, it's amazing to have those kinds of people in your, your life that will stick with you as, um, as you grow and change and step into your power and all of that. So I think it's, it's like a chicken in the egg issue. I'm, I'm not sure if it's like the friends came because I was stepping into my power or, or if it was the other way around, but it probably is all related. Yes. Find people who are not intimidated by your shine. Find people who allow you to take up so much space to shine brightly, to have all these ideas and find people who are on board with it. I mean, we freaking love you, Carolyn. <laughs> I love you too. So Sam, let's talk about some of the things that manifestors are here to inform about, because I think just like the blanket statement informing is like, all right, like, what am I supposed to tell people? Like, these are my plans for the day. So can you talk about some of the things that people should be informing about if they're a manifestor? Sure. So one example we've used with the BLT sandwich example, or even the Seattle, where are you, where are you going? You're leaving the house. Are you going to go on a trip? Um, 
let them know uh, what your visions are, what your ideas are, what are those creative impulses? I think there's that fear of rejection. There can be a, a level of vulnerability in there. Or if, like, what if I get the opinion? I'm not asking for an opinion, but what if I get it anyway? And is that going to impact that ability to live it out? Um, what your emotional experience is. And, and this kind of ties into your authority. A lot of manifestors are emotional authorities because one of the ways you become a manifestor is to have a channel between the emotional, the solar plexus, emotional center and up into the throat. So um, where you are in your emotional wave, which we'll talk about in a future episodes, that's all about kind of using your intuition to make decisions. But even if you are an open emotional, like how are you experiencing this? And um, Nadia, do you want to share any others? Um, another thing that you can inform people about is just like, what is your inner experience and also what you're not going to do. So if you've gotten to a decision about something, let people know why you're not doing other things. That's really important as well. And I work with a lot of manifestors who create things and they're like, all right, I created it. I'm going to move on as manifestor energy is sort of meant to do. They're meant to sort of like start the fire and then kind of like move on to the next thing. But I, I actually, uh, get kind of sad when, when the manifestors like created something amazing and they're like, they kind of toss it and they're like, nobody would care about this. So let people know what you've created and why, what you're proud of, what you've really initiated, because you'll be surprised at who wants to tend the fire that you start. I have this vision of manifestors just going around and like starting a fire and then starting another fire. And manifestors, again, don't have the energy to sustain long hours of work, but 70% of the planet, the generators and the manifesting generators do. So by letting people know the fires that they've started, they invite other people in to basically come and say, oh, I love this fire that you started. Let me tend to this for a while. I think that one thing I want to say about being a manifester is that a beautiful way to support the manifestors in your life is to inform them. So not only are manifestors meant to inform other people, but they want to be informed as well. And the reason this is, is because manifestors have a vision for the way that their day is going to go, the way that their week is going to go. So if you just like add a calendar invite to a manifestor's calendar without informing them what it is, why giving them ample heads up, you're going to be met with a lot of resistance and anger. And this is what gets us to the not self theme of being a manifestor, which is basically your sign from the universe that you're living out of alignment as a manifestor is feeling this deep anger. And I feel like anger as an emotion is kind of shoved under the rug a lot in society. So if you're a manifester and you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, I have felt this anger. Like I felt it bubbling up underneath and I didn't know if it was okay. I just want to kind of encourage you to express this anger in healthy ways. It's going to come up throughout your life. Can you draw it up out of your belly and like primal scream when you're in the car alone or like punch a pillow if you need to or listen to a really ragey song and like dance crazy like there's going to be this energy that moves through you and it's teaching you where people are crossing your boundaries where people are getting in the way of your of your visions which people are giving you way more resistance than and it's keeping your train from kind of going in the direction that it's meant to go as a manifesting generator, you know, my primary not self is frustration, but I still experience anger because I still have a lot of manifestor energy in me. And I just had this realization when I was talking to my friend who was doing a reading for a manifestor um, about this anger that this client felt about is almost like a 
kind of a bubbling under your skin, just like I'm, I don't want to be controlled in this way. There's something that I do when the plans that I made or that I, other people made, but I had planned on get changed and I don't get to control that. I get so mad, but I act like I'm not. And so instead I try to subvert the evening. So I'll be like, okay, well this new plan, like no one's probably going to have any fun. Um, and so an example for this is my partner and I were going to get pizza, but we were doing something, uh, doing laundry. We needed to finish it. And the pizza place was going to get closed. So instead he was like, I'll go to the grocery store and I'll pick up frozen pizzas. And I was like, well, we hate frozen pizzas and we're going to get drinks, but I don't feel like having drinks anymore. And I'm probably just going to spend the night in my room now. And basically through like a little bit of a fit, which I honestly had never connected to this manifestor side, but it really feels connected. I'm angry that what I had planned on changed and, um, I now have to go into something else. Even if that idea was presented, I'd be fine with it. But I, I feel like I'm being controlled into something else. And now I'm expressing this and trying a subversive, subversive way. So hopefully no one notices that I'm actually being angry. Caroline, have you felt this anger before? How does this land for you? Yeah, it, it resonates so much. Even Sam's example, I also get just pissed if my plans change for sure. My most recent example around this, so it's related to my dad and it was over Thanksgiving and which was just what, two weeks ago, last week. And we were going to a football game and I didn't really want to go to the football game. I didn't know if I wanted to tailgate before. Like I wasn't sure I was going through my emotional wave on how I felt about it. And my dad just kind of comes in and he's like, okay, we're, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. And I was just like, so angry because I wasn't able to like participate in the decision-making and I hadn't come to a decision around it. And it feels so silly because it's like, it's a football game, but it was just, it, it really like the anger I had was really felt irrational. And it is, I think related to Nadia, you use the word boundaries. Like I felt like I, my boundaries were almost crossed in a way or, or, um, and I had this conversation with my dad, but I I felt like he was basically just like, your boundaries don't matter. Like we're, we're doing what I want to do. And so it is, I think that was just a, an example of how that came up for me. And my reaction was anger. Which then doesn't help anyone. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I love that you have this experience. It's so cool that you have these two manifestors. And I I feel like your dad and not maybe understanding his energy is like, if I just tell everybody what's happening, then nobody will get in the way of, of my plan. You know, it's just kind of like this shadow side of the manifestor is like, this is what's happening. It's super rigid instead of what he's meant to do in, in Sam's train conductor analogy is like, I'm going to the football game. Who wants to join me? Not everyone has to join. When I experience a sort of rage, I can think of another example that involved curtains in my house. And I literally woke up. Basically, my partner told me I, I, I couldn't pick out the curtains. And I was for his office. That was his, his own space. And I was like furious. Like I woke up, I went to bed. I woke up at like 6 a.m. And I couldn't sleep. And I literally had to go into the other room journal about it and then scream into some pillows. And I realized how silly this sounds, but it was just this, it felt like this level of control was being taken from me. And all I had was this like visceral physical reaction. And I'm so glad that I had that experience and I moved the rage that I allowed myself to be angry. So 
I didn't wake him up at 6 a.m. to to yell at him. This was an by the way, argument that we had a week before, and it was just dormant in me. And then it came up. I passed it. I journaled about it. Then honestly, I reached a place of like calm because he's also a manifesting generator and he didn't want me coming into his space, telling him what he had to do. Like we just had two separate things and it allowed me to release it. And so Carolyn, I want to ask you, like, how have you come to terms with accepting anger as a part of your life and letting it move through you rather than suppressing it. I think I'm very much still coming to terms with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm inspired by you two often to just be more aware of my emotions and like allow them to just sit and fester and work through them. Because obviously if you don't do that, then they'll just keep coming back up. I think I'm also, I'm a cancer sun and a cancer rising and a Scorpio moon. So I just have like so much emotion in water in my chart. And so I'm very much still learning about it. And I think just as I get older and as I mature, and as I learn about things like human design, I'm becoming more and more aware. And I think for those listening, how I want to kind of tie up this, this section is there are two ways to learn from anger. When anger comes up, do not suppress it. Do not say go away. Because I think what Carolyn's saying is like, it's going to come back. It's there. It's an energy that's moving. So the first step is just acknowledge that it's present in your body. Try to locate where in your body it is. And then there are two ways you can either move the anger physically. And I feel like that's always a great thing to do. And what Sam did in that instance where she journaled and like screamed into the pillow, it wasn't at someone. It was directed almost like upward at the sky, like rage. Um, And then I think it's like, once that energy is moved, it's getting curious about it and saying like, what about this is making me so angry? Like, where is the boundary crossed? What can I learn from this? Is there a way that I need to then rectify the situation? And your example, Carolyn, letting your dad know, like, I don't want to go to this freaking football game (laughs) or, or is it basically just something that you kind of process within yourself? Amazing. All right. What you want to add something on that? Yeah. I think just the understanding how it moves through your body resonates a lot. And I think just as I think about my emotional decision-making as well, that feeling just sitting and feeling when I think about decisions, like how does my body feel? And oftentimes if it's something that I'm not, I don't want to do, I can just feel it in my chest. And so I think that's another piece that I'm trying to be better about as well, but it's hard. Totally. Anything else you want to add, Sam? I think the only thing I want to add a little bit here, so I don't forget is, um, parenting manifestors and just kind of a quick note. And obviously, you know, I'm not a parent, but, um, what I've always understood and heard is letting your manifestor children have as much space as they can. That's still safe, you know, like whether they get to decide when they're going to eat or, um, what they're going to play with or where they're going to play within, you know, whatever perimeter is safe in your house. And then also letting them express their anger. Cause there are going to be times when you have to control what they do because they, you know, have to wear a seatbelt or they have to go to school or they have to do something in creating spaciousness for the processing of anger. So it doesn't become a scary emotion that they have to hide away from. Mm-hmm. And, and creating languaging with your manifesto child to say, 
I see your anger and it's valid because your anger is actually showing you that you don't want to go to school because you actually had a different vision for your day. Like you don't want to stop playing with your blocks in your room, or you're angry that you have to wear a seatbelt because then you can't dance in the backseat or whatever it is. Like just knowing and seeing your manifestor from a young age and being like, there's so much that you want to do. There's so much that you want to initiate and create and honoring that within them even when the duality exists and they ultimately have to go to school or put on a seatbelt. That was a great example, Sam. Thank you. Well, so, okay. We talked about the not self. This is kind of like the signpost that you're going in the wrong way. It's not something to be afraid of. It's information. What's the signpost that you're going in the right way. It's called peace. We've referenced it a lot. Manifestors want peace. Um, but what does this really mean? Um, Carolyn, what does peace feel like for you? I wish I had just a perfect answer. I think I'm still learning what peace looks like. And Nadia said it so well that it's, I think just like the need to initiate, but also keep peace is really hard. And those two things don't always go together. I think for me, it's when I'm not necessarily feeling like I'm needing more and wanting more. And I'm just feeling like grateful and gratitude, um, towards myself and towards people in my life. I think peace is also when I feel comfortable speaking up and I'm not scared about speaking up. And I feel like I'm in a very safe space. That is very important for me. And The third piece is probably around just continuing to step into my power. I think, I guess I'm thinking back to kind of my struggle with disordered eating and how now so many, some of my urges around, like, I want to, what do I want to eat? Like, I want to just eat whatever I want and just go for it. Um, And so also just stepping into that and it's like, it's okay if I go eat goldfish or pizza or whatever it is, and just feeling comfortable in that and knowing that that is my energy. And that's okay. I think that's really beautiful. And I, I almost envision peace also being as like, let me know if you resonate with this, Carolyn, but in the full activation of manifestor power, it's like, I want to eat the freaking goldfish and almost observing the things that try to come in to obstruct that path, whether that's critical self thoughts, whether it's somebody else being like, no, you can't eat the goldfish. This is I'm taking this analogy very far, but it, it almost reminds me of like Eckhart Tolle a little bit in, in his teachings in a new earth and other books that he's written. It's like, it's just mindfulness. It's just observing how other people react to it and doing it anyway. Like this almost like objective, just peace being at peace, knowing like this might ruffle some feathers, but I'm almost going to like objectively view the ripple effects that my actions have and being at peace regardless. Does that make any sense? I love that. Yeah. I think one way I think about that as well is there's, there's kind of like intention behind your actions. Like there's intention behind my informing and then there's the impact that you actually have. And so watching what the impact is and just kind of understanding that better and asking about the impact. And that I think will makes me feel more comfortable with understanding one, it's out of my control a little bit, but I can kind of control that intention. And then and then it is what it is. That is so beautiful. And I think that segues us perfectly into some hot manifestor tips. So I think if you're a manifestor listening or you know a manifestor in your life, the, the first thing you can do is ask yourself, where in my life am I making the biggest impact? Where am I impacting people intentionally or, or not intentionally? 
Where am I making the biggest waves? Because manifestor energy is here to make an impact and to have, according to human design, to have our entire society and our communities functioning perfectly, it's to have manifestors who are going out and making things happen. And I think that that's a, a beautiful sort of question is to ask yourself, if you've made a decision, just sit down and make a list and say, who are all the people that are going to be impacted by this decision? Because it's going to feel unnatural at first to say, okay, I've decided that I'm going to the Seattle internship. I need to list out my parents, my sibling, my partner, like all the people that will be impacted. And then it will kind of like build this muscle up in forming. What else is a hot manifestor tip, Sam? I have one, Carolyn already mentioned this, but I just want to restate it. If you're not feeling urges, this is really common for manifestors. So like, I don't have any urges to act on. I don't have any, anything that's coming through. Look at how you're spending your time. Are you holding on to urges that you've had that now it's time to hand off to somebody else? Are you honoring your rest cycle? If there isn't, if you don't have it, a full enough tank to act on the urge, you might not get any because it's like, even if you had any, you don't have enough energy to, to do anything with it. Um, and if you're not, hmm, okay. I actually have a question. I'm not sure if this is, if, if you would resonate with this, um, advice, Carolyn, but what if you didn't know about the way that you impacted people? Would you ever go to a, someone who is really safe in your life and, and look for that sort of affirmation and recognition? I think, yes, as I was kind of thinking through like the hot tips for manifestors, it, one of my suggestions would be to find those people, find the people who make you feel safe and who are, are just rocks in your life. And, and you can ask that question and have a conversation with them. Manifestors, you know, there often is a lack of clarity around how do I impact people that's come up with a lot of manifestors that I've um, connected with. I didn't realize that within me. How do I know? And it's kind of the same things. It's like, what are you always thinking about? Um, what are, do people respond to? What makes you feel really peaceful and free and empowered to be yourself when you move on? But if all of that is really hard or, or, you know, that you have a really self-critical mind and that you just can't see clearly, um, that's the space you know, we're not saying that manifestors have to be on an Island and they can't receive affirmations or advice from every, anybody. It's just that as a baseline, we want to kind of encourage manifestors to not default to going towards others. I think if you're not doing that too, at least this has been my experience, you just get in your head. So I totally can just be in my head and it makes it so that I'm not present and the best way to get out of your head is have a conversation with someone who you feel comfortable having that conversation with. And I think part of why I get stuck in my head too, is because of that kind of early conditioning around not feeling like I can use my voice getting shut down. And so I don't know if other manifestors feel that way, but I definitely feel like I can just get stuck there. The last one, which has been touched on, but it's really just around resting. I think I have such a better understanding of when I need to rest and the fact that it's okay to rest. I feel like human design was just such a big, it gave me permission to do that. Oftentimes also our society isn't really, I heard this on a, a different podcast, but our society isn't really set up for manifesto urges. Like you have to make an appointment or you have to book something, you know what I mean? Like it's hard to kind of just go do something often, or if you have plans, like you can't just cancel them, whatever. And so I think making sure, at least for me, I've had to really just understand, like, if I have a plan, 
making sure I, I have that downtime as well and in, in creating more space for that. One other thing I'll add to this, and this is advice I'll give to every single type, but human design, we make our decisions in our body. Urges are felt in body. Anger is felt in the body. Peace is felt in the body. Um, that means you need to be able to hear your body. If you are feeling really disconnected from your body, if you're feeling scattered, um, it's going to be hard to know, is it time to rest? So I can get more urges. Am I feeling an urge or is just, am I just like really anxious or scattered about something today? Um, so my suggestion would be if, if you have a hard time feeling, and this is going to be true with sacrals responding and projectors, um, kind of listening to their energy, all of us connecting with your body through connecting with earth, going on a walk without a phone or any sort of distraction, um, taking a few deep breaths and literally asking, how do I feel? And just giving a few minutes for your body to come up, even if it's like, like I'm feeling cold or I'm actually hungry, just creating a little bit of space at the beginning. There's more we could say on this, um, to open up, a, a some communication. So your body can speak to us because if you can't hear your body, then, I mean, it's really hard to use any of this information. And I just had a light bulb moment when you were talking about this, Carolyn, like the rest for manifestors is about connecting with divine inspiration. And so if you are spending your entire day just responding to things, you're not a generator. And if you're just, you know, spending your entire day going to things that you're invited to, you're not a projector. So your rest is allowing your space to connect. I love what you're saying, Sam, back into your body and connecting with the vehicle that receives inspiration and saying, you know, I'm going to leave this blank space so that I can be a channel for ideas and inspiration that seem to come out of seemingly thin air. Is that your experience of urges? It's like, where did this come from? It just kind of landed in my lap. I think so. And it's almost so natural. I don't even know it. I just kind of have this feeling and I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to go. I need to go do it. Hell yeah. What's an example of just like a random urge that you received even like in today? Uh, like getting my hair cut. Hell yeah. <laughs> I just like woke up and I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to go get my hair cut. But that's where it's like, well, I can't for like three weeks because it's mm. because I need to make an appointment. Um, what's another example? I think feeling um, even just like the, or I guess, yeah, just like the urge to get prepared for this. Right. So like last night I was like, oh my gosh, I need, I, I want to prepare for this. And I couldn't sleep, but in my head, I was like, no, 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 I need to rest. I can do it in the morning. It will be okay. Hmm. It's a push pull of listening to your body yeah. and listening to the urges. Let's shift Sam, if, if you don't mind and Carolyn into some questions, because we received some beautiful questions from fellow manifestors about the experience that we'd love to ask you. But I think the first question I want to ask Carolyn is just, what is your favorite part about being a manifester? Okay. My favorite part about being a manifester. I mean, I feel like it comes back to just why I like human design again, it's just was so permission giving for me and the manifester, the, the language around being a manifester resonated for me so much, just like this, this juxtaposition between wanting to initiate and have power, but also wanting peace and not wanting to rock the boat just described a lot for me in my life. I think my favorite, my favorite part probably is the initiation piece. So being able to initiate and have that power, um, and learning to step into it. What do you think people need to know about manifestors? Probably that, that tension, the tug that we 
keep coming back to, it's hard to work through that. Being a manifester can be really hard. And I think we're, we, you know, even if we're, um, known to initiate or have power or whatever it is, not a lot of us do for whatever reason, um, because of these kind of core wounds that we've talked about. And so also understanding that as well. Okay. I have a follow-up question for that. Do you ever get resentful for being knowing like, okay, I know I'm, I should probably initiate and like, I want to, and I have an idea, but like, can't someone else just do it? Oh, interesting. No, (laughs) no, no. I, I, but I need to be that way more. I think like, I think, I think my partner gets resentful of me because I, I just am like, I want to do it. I want to own it and lead it and, and whatever. But I have heard that from other manifestors, what you just described, I just personally have not. It sounds so fun that. to be in a relationship with a manifester. Cause I feel like the typical fight in a relationship is like, why haven't you planned a date night? Like, why haven't you come up with things? And it sounds so fun that you you're just an unending pool of inspiration and things to do. This actually segues us perfectly into a lot of the questions that we received were about being in relationship with others as a manifester. And Carolyn, if you don't mind me saying that you're in a relationship with a felt with a projector. And so for those who haven't listened to our projector episode yet, which I would encourage you to go back and listen to, if you'd like to understand this projectors are here to be invited in for their unique perspective. And so it's such an interesting sort of push pull that you, Carolyn, as a manifester are here to initiate, have your own thing going on, and you don't necessarily need others, somebody else's perspective. What are some of the lessons that you've learned being in a relationship? It is such a hot topic. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something I think we're always working towards. I feel like human design resonated even more with me once I learned my partner's design. I feel like another quote that I love is that it takes two to know one. And so I think just having that, those multiple kind of designs and perspectives is really helpful in just understanding the other person. Um it's hard. It, it goes back to just kind of what are you informing around, I think. And just for me, I've really had to make sure I am informing and informing for me on my kind of like emotional decision-making journey and not just once I have come to the decision, I think also being a little bit, and this maybe comes down to urges to just being, you don't have to follow every urge. Like it, even if you want to do something, there's always a push and pull dynamic of a relationship and it's okay to just kind of let if if you want to go out and the person wants to stay in like sometimes you just you're going to have to stay in so being being able to just you know ha- make that compromise too i think is important what are some other questions that you'd like to ask carolyn sam yeah so okay so actually i want to i want to go a little bit into that kind of like compromise because it's something that I have felt that too. And I almost didn't, it's almost feels like heretical to say, because it's like, you want, you want manifestor empowerment and you want people manifestors to not have to quiet themselves. And you want to give radical permission to that. But at the same time, sometimes like it is so important to stay in with your partner on that night. Like that makes a huge difference. Um, how do you discern when are the times you're going to be like, look, you stay home. I'm going to go out. We don't have to do the same thing versus like when you're like, okay, I'm going to kind of um, 
push aside what I want to do and to really honor this relationship? It is a great question and probably something that I, it's, it's like a day by day thing and day by day decision. And it depends on what I'm feeling that day, just where my energy is. Am I needing to rest? Am I wanting to go out? And, um, also just thinking about maybe like the patterns of the previous, like past couple weeks or months or whatever it is. Like if, um, we've been going out a lot or haven't been going out or something like that. Just like acknowledging that as well as an input. It is interesting though. Cause as I'm talking about it, it's like, I don't is compromising, not following my energy type, like maybe a little bit, but I don't know if it's realistic to have like, maybe, maybe I don't know if it's realistic to be in a relationship where you're always going to want to do the same thing all the time. Right. And so it's like, how do you kind of make sure you're walking that balance so that I don't necessarily feel like I'm giving away power all that much. It's an honest answer. And I, yeah. I think that's why, you know, we want to have you on this to talk about like, what is this really like? It's not this yeah. perfect. Cause I mean, sure. Maybe a very perfect, like a, a and a truest to manifestor, the letter of our human design books would yeah. say, um, you know, you follow those urges and be in relationships that total respect that autonomy, but also that might not be supportive for what you yeah. are right now or not where you are. Um, the, our other friend, Danny, that I talked to earlier, who's a manifester, her and her partner will spend time apart like weeks sometimes yeah. because she really loves to travel. And, and I feel like to me, that's a perfect extension of a manifester, but um, we also we're using human design in a real world that isn't always aware of human design and we're wanting to navigate challenges with loved ones with this knowledge. And that sometimes means like, I know I do things that my sacral doesn't respond to because otherwise we're not going to have any laundry. Like we're just not. And I don't know how to say that except all I try to do is prioritize more and more things that feel in alignment Mm -hmm. and hope to create relationship structures that support this on a whole. Um, so another kind of shifting gears, we talked about the repelling aura, but this was a question we had a lot. People want to know manifestors have been really disheartened. Any, do you have any words to a manifestor who said, I just learned I'm a manifestor and my aura is repelling and hopefully they've listened to this episode thus far. So they've heard our reframe of it, but do you have anything just to help support another manifestor out there? Who's feeling a little disenchanted? I think it's a great question. And one that we talked about at the beginning, like it's really around reframing that aura and thinking of it more as like power, like feeling powerful and being able to have power and impact and influence and just being able to trust the process. So Sam, I love how you've kind of talked about having a selective aura. And so just trusting that the people who are meant to find you in your life will find you. And if you're not feeling that way, we can, we can talk, we can talk about ways to maybe go find those right people. Like it's hard. Making friends is hard and making friends as an adult is really hard. And as a manifester can be hard. And so I think just being, being open to that and, and making sure that you're thinking about who is that in your life. Manifestors are very spontaneous, fast energy. And I think human design um, for not for everybody, for a lot of people is a very different way of thinking about yourselves and others. And there could be this desire urge to be like, okay, I want my whole life to be in alignment with this. 
And there's a process here. And sometimes that process requires patience. If you are looking around in your life and being like, wow, the people in my life don't really support me acting on my urges. Um, or they do make me feel small, even though I know they love me, they do. And I need to shift that, that can take some time. And so my suggestion to anybody is um, to the, you know, this can be hard, but try your best to give yourself some grace as you're reorienting to this new kind of framework and the time, because if you, you're on the right path, like you're going in the right, right direction, you will find your people. Um, they are there and they cannot wait to meet you. I also want to let manifestors know, like there's a way that you can activate power within you. I love what you were saying, Carolyn, like it's, it feels like power to you. And even the way you hopped on this call, I can, you know, we're on video chat right now. I can see how Carolyn's dressed. She had her hair slicked back into this awesome like hairstyle. And she has this cool ass, like cut out turtleneck on. And I'm like, damn, it's power. And it's, it's amazing. And I wonder if there's a way for manifestors in situations and in familial systems that have been so disempowering to kind of cultivate that power from within. So it sounds really cheesy, but maybe doing some mirror gazing before you let people in your life know, like, this is what's happening. This is where my train is going today and informing them. It's like, can you meet your gaze and kind of cultivate this inner power? Because your soul chose this embodiment to be a manifester in this lifetime. You would not choose being a manifester if you weren't supposed to cultivate what this, like this energy is innately yours. So I'm wondering if there's any, anything that you've done like that, Carolyn, where it's like a pump up or a pep talk or a, a song that you listen to or anything that makes you feel like you're in your power. I'm so here for pump up, um, songs. That's like my genres that I call what I listen to is pump up music. Um, I think for me, it, it comes back to intuition almost, which I feel like Nadia, you definitely have pointed out for me in my chart and just being, taking the space and being confident in just listening to my intuition and listening to what my body is saying and what my mind is saying and having confidence in that. So almost just like take, even just, even just thinking for a second, like, what is my intuition saying? And then listening, I think that has helped me a ton and just like feeling confident. Like for example, the outfit, I was like, I don't, I'm, I could wear just like a t-shirt. I don't really, it doesn't matter. But I was like, I feel like I want to just feel great. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to wear whatever I want to wear <laughs> regardless of what, what I should be wearing. I feel like another thing that I, um, just, love in terms of thinking about how sometimes I don't allow myself to step into my power is like shooting on myself. I call it. So it's like telling myself, Oh, I should be doing this. Oh, this is chill. It's with my good friends. I should just be wearing a t-shirt. Like whatever. It just is like, no, like where does that come from? That comes from just like conditioning and so many, so many things, but not if I'm shooting on myself a lot, then that's just not me stepping into my power. And so just kind of not not doing that and observing it come up and say, you know, like I'm, I'm shooting right now. I love that. And it sounds a little bit like shitting. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm shooting on myself. Like, God damn it. I love that. That's so beautiful. Let's end. Thank you so much, Carolyn, but I would love to end with a love note. I would love to hear what you would say, some words of encouragement, some words of love to other manifestors out there. Um, that, maybe you're feeling empowered or maybe not, but whatever you would want to tell in a moment of kind of compassion and support. 
Absolutely. I would probably first say it's awesome being a manifester. Like it can be hard, but it, it is also amazing. And acknowledging that and stepping into that is so exciting and so powerful. And also just acknowledging that there will be hard days and those feelings are okay. Those feelings are valid and we've all, we've all been there for them or through them. So I think making, making sure that people feel excited if that's where they're at and also validated in their, their down moments. I love that. I will give a little note to manifestors. Manifestors, you are you change the world. Like you impact the world. You change the course of the world. And I never want you to forget that your, your ability to step into your own power and your ability to follow your urges impacts all of us. It's a service to us. It's never selfish. It's never taking up too much room. In fact, we need it. Like it is something that is a part of this mix. We all have a role to play and we need you to play yours. Um, we're so grateful when you do show up and it can be scary at first. I'm, I know it and I'm sure of it, but, um, but my God, I'm so grateful for all the manifestors in my life. Like I have learned from so many powerful manifestors and I'm constantly benefit from powerful manifestors. And I'm so glad that they're letting me see that side of their power and their sparkle. And also I'd say you can be there's so many ways to be powerful. You can be feminine and be powerful. You can be soft-spoken and be powerful. You know, you, you get to decide whatever power means to you in a feel that in a way that feels innate. So we're never asking you to be something that you're not. We're just asking you to be more of who you are. I also want to say, I feel like being a manifester is such a freaking cool and auspicious placement in this lifetime. I feel like manifestors are the one that have almost this direct line of communication into the divine. And they're the ones that are like literally direct line and, and they're receiving all of these different ideas and inspirations and, and things that are coming through. And then they basically distribute them throughout the collective. And there are people, other people who are basically tending to their creative fires once they've been started and initiated. So I guess what I want to say to manifestors out there listening is like, cultivate that go inward connect in and enjoy the creative lifestyle like you're going to have such a creative and unique life and it's so 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 cool we're so grateful that you're here this has been so much fun i want to give a shout out just as an example that the uh, person who transmitted human design raw was a manifester huh. we can look at that as a great example but carolyn Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, for your incredible insights. I'm so, I'm so excited to put this out and I just am so grateful to be your friend and I love getting to kind of be your friend over all of these periods of different changes for us. And it's so cool to both kind of watch all three of us step into um, more of our own power. And I just, I love you so much. I love you so much, Carolyn. And I just want for everybody listening because Carolyn stepped into her power and initiated Sam and I into becoming friends, this podcast exists. So it is literally because of a manifester that you're listening to this right now. I love that. I think this is one of my biggest life accomplishments is introducing you to. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. And the, I mean, we're all just as one last thing, we're all fourth lines in human design. And we're going to talk about profile lines in a future episode. But basically what that means is that we all are here to cultivate and connect and create community. And so, so much has happened through this connection and I just can't wait for everything to come. <laughs>